Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 6, Episode 4, The Reign of the Regents. Now that we hopefully have a firmer grasp on the larger trends and trajectories of the later Heian period, we will return to the narrative history and catch up with our favorite power-grabbing superclan, the Fujiwara. While they enjoyed the absolute power provided by the office of regent, whether Sesho or Kampaku, whoever led the Fujiwara clan was effectively the arbiter of Kuge power nationwide, regardless of whether there even was a regent. They intermarried their daughters and sons into the subordinate clans and, most importantly, arranged for at least one of their daughters to be married with the emperor himself. It was not at all unusual for the sitting Tenno to live in the house of the current head of the Fujiwara clan, who was his father-in-law and trusted advisor. As I mentioned last season, this arrangement is often compared with that of the Frankish kingdom of the 800s, with mayors of the palace like the famous Charles Martel acting on the king's behalf to the point of practically replacing him. Where the comparison falls short, of course, is that Charles Martel's son deposed and replaced the Frankish king and ended the Merovingian dynasty, while the Fujiwara house had no interest in supplanting the emperor and was satisfied with ruling on his behalf. Different conditions create different results, and thus the Fujiwara became hereditary dictators of the nation who always ruled in the name of the Tenno, who was himself far too busy, you understand, with rituals and celebrations and poetry and hawking, to be bothered with something as trivial as governance. We left off last season with some of the more exciting years of Fujiwara Tadahira's regency, Originally serving as Sesho, shortly after the notorious rebels Taira Masakado and Fujiwara Sumitomo were eliminated in 941, Tadahira was named Kampaku. Emperor Suzaku sat on the chrysanthemum throne until 946, when he retired from office and became a Buddhist monk. His younger brother, Nari Akira, was elevated in his place at 22 years old and is remembered as Emperor Murakami. Tadahira was named Sesho over Murakami Tenno, and the Fujiwara clan retained political control. Three years later, in 949, Fujiwara Tadahira died and no regent was appointed for the rest of Emperor Murakami's time on the throne. This lack of regent was illusory, however, as two high-ranking Fujiwara brothers, Sanayori and Morosuke, both sons of the late Tadahira, worked out a power-sharing agreement and continued governing the nation with little input from the emperor. While this may have frustrated a more ambitious Tenno, Emperor Murakami seemed to be more than happy to host lavish parties, commission poetry anthologies, and master the flute and koto harp. While Sanayori and Morosuke were partners in governance, they were also rivals. Although Sanayori was the elder brother, Morosuke had made a much stronger position for himself. In addition to marrying three imperial princesses, he managed to arrange a marriage between the sitting emperor Murakami and his daughter Anshi. 
She gave birth to a son in 949, and the young boy was made the crown prince, which greatly elevated Fujiwara Morosuke's status as the grandfather of the heir to the throne. Perhaps in another timeline he would have eventually pushed his brother Sanayori out of politics completely, but in 960 he grew very ill and died at the age of 53. While Sanayori took over many of his late younger brother's responsibilities, he was soon marginalized by Morosuke's sons, who by now all held high-ranking court appointments. In 967, Emperor Murakami died at the age of 42 while still holding the office of Tenno. His reign is fondly remembered as a relatively peaceful time, and he is usually credited with nurturing the flowering of Heian culture. The imperial palace did burn down under his rule in 960, the first time this occurred since the move from Heijo-kyo, but it seems that this incident was not seen as divine judgment against his tenure. The crown prince Norihira was rushed into the succession and is remembered as Emperor Reizei. He was 18 years old, but suffered from rather curious expressions of mental illness. Among other things, he was reported to sing loudly when he was sick or panicked, would sometimes kick a ball to excess even after his foot had been injured, and repeatedly sent his father letters which contained pictures of gigantic penises. Feel free to have a giggle over that and maybe give Superbad a rewatch in the near future. Unfortunately, the allegations do not end with such relatively harmless fun. According to one story, he disrupted an official ceremony and brutally raped one of the female attendants. Rumors began to swirl around the troubled Tenno's reign. Surely this was the work of an onryo, a vengeful ghost. Emperor Reizei was Emperor Murakami's second son, not his first. Emperor Murakami's first son was born of the daughter of one Fujiwara Motokata, a cousin of Morosuke, and Sanayori, whose grandchild was passed over in favor of Morosuke's grandson. Motokata died soon after the new order of succession was put in place, allegedly despairing that he would never be the grandfather of an emperor. His onryo, or vengeful spirit, was blamed for Emperor Reizei's disruptive insanity, and the Tenno himself seems to have believed this. After sitting on the throne for a mere two years, he retired from office, and his younger brother, Prince Morihira, was elevated in his place. He is remembered as Emperor Enyu. It feels important to note that this was still not the grandson of Motokata, whose removal from the succession would prove to be permanent. Fujiwara Sanayori was tapped to be the Sesho regent for the 11-year-old Emperor Enyu when he came to the throne in 969, but by this point he was almost 70 years old and his nephews more than capable of keeping him from obtaining the power which they enjoyed. The following year, 970, he died. Sanayori's life is useful to illustrate a few things that often get plastered over in the Heian period. No office by itself held absolute power, not even regent. While it is true that generally the person who held the office of Sesho or Kampaku was also the most politically powerful and influential kuge in the capital, the real source of power was patronage, which is a fancy word for having a network of less powerful clans who owe you loyalty because you have shown them great favor. The smartest and ablest leaders of the Fujiwara clan understood that this was the case and ingratiated themselves with the clans they needed in order to maintain their grip on power.
With Sanayori gone, the sons of Fujiwara Morosuke were ready to take full and open control of the government. The obvious choice to succeed Sanayori was Fujiwara Koretada. He is sometimes referred to as Koremasa in the sources, but we will stick with Koretada for simplicity's sake. Koretada was the eldest son of Morosuke, and with the death of Sanayori, he became the undisputed leader of the Fujiwara clan and was also named as the new Sesho. The following year, 971, he was also made Chancellor, Daijo Daijin, and also oversaw Emperor Enyu's coming-of-age ceremony. Things so far seemed fairly stable, both within the Daijo Daikan and in the Fujiwara clan. However, in winter of the following year, 972, Koretada became so gravely ill that he retired from office. About ten days later, he died at the age of 49, leaving a huge power vacuum in his wake. He had four brothers, all of them ambitious and eager to fill his shoes. The next oldest was Fujiwara Kanemichi, who was quickly promoted to Naidaijin, minister of the center, as well as Kampaku. In 974, he was named as Chancellor Daijo Daijin, but then in 977, he fell ill and died. Although his younger brother Kaneye probably expected to be named as the next regent, Fujiwara Kanemichi instead organized the installation of his cousin Fujiwara Yoritada to become Sesho upon his death. In addition to being the second son of Fujiwara Sanayori, Yoritada also had two daughters who were married to Emperor Enyu, securing his right to regency since he was the Tenno's father-in-law. Unfortunately for his long-term prospects, neither of Yoritada's daughters bore the emperor a son, while Kaneye's daughter, Fujiwara Senshi, managed to provide Emperor Enyu a male heir. The imperial palace burned down several times during Enyu Tenno's time on the throne, and at one point the sacred mirror, which was part of the imperial regalia, melted into a crude lump of metal. In an effort to appease the gods, Emperor Enyu began the tradition of imperial pilgrimage to the Hachiman and Hirano shrines. In 986, after reigning for 15 years, Emperor Enyu retired at the ripe old age of 26. A son of Emperor Reize, Crown Prince Morosada, ascended the throne in his place and is remembered as Emperor Kazan. He was 16 years old. The young Kazan Tenno was ambitious and eager to make his mark upon history. Sources indicate that he wanted to restore actual imperial rule and govern as well as reign. He also seems, unfortunately, very gullible. Right away he clashed with Fujiwara Yoritada, who abdicated as regent soon after the boy took the throne, saying that it was not appropriate for him to act as Kazan Tenno's Sesho because he had no familial connection to him. Luckily for Emperor Kazan, another high-ranking member of the Fujiwara clan was ready and eager to take Yoritada's place, his uncle, Fujiwara Kaneye. When Crown Prince Morosada was made the heir to the throne, Kaneye boycotted attending the court for some time. His daughter and her son, the child of Emperor Enyu, stayed in his lavish palace and waited for an opportunity. Emperor Kazan's elevation and his eagerness to promote and reward those who would support his governance was exactly what they needed. 
Fujiwara Kaneye was named as Sesho, and really this is where Kazan Tenno's reign ends, practically speaking. The court had already named Kaneye's grandson, Prince Yasuhito, to succeed Emperor Kazan as a way of placating him back when he was on strike from his duties in government. All Kaneye needed to do to finally grasp ultimate political power was find a way to remove the emperor. After a few years of Kazan Tenno thinking that he was in charge, Kaneye and his son Michikane hatched a plot to get rid of the inconvenient sovereign and seize power. Emperor Kazan's favorite wife had died in 985, just one year after his elevation, and he fell into a deep depression, confiding in his attendant Fujiwara Michikane that he secretly wished he could give up the throne and become a Buddhist monk. Michikane encouraged this idea, gradually convincing Emperor Kazan through reading Buddhist sutras to him that he would be much happier if he gave up secular living for the cloister. Emperor Kazan loved the idea, but could not commit to it. Finally, in 986, Fujiwara Kaneye curtly informed the emperor that the imperial regalia was already in the hands of Crown Prince Yasuhito, Kaneye's grandson, remember, and that there was therefore no point in his continued reign. Fujiwara Michikane, now a trusted confidant, talked the emperor into traveling to Gangoji Temple in Nara, where the two of them would take orders together. Kazan Tenno agreed, and off the two friends went on their new spiritual adventure. Or so Emperor Kazan thought. They arrived at Gangoji after a short journey, escorted by warriors loyal to Kaneye, and the Tenno took his vows. When it was supposed to be Fujiwara Michikane's turn, he said that he would like to visit with his father one last time before he took orders, and then left. The now-retired emperor realized that he had been deceived, but it was far too late to do anything about it. Michikane returned to the capital, and Crown Prince Yasuhito was enthroned in very short order. He is remembered as Emperor Ichijo. This whole affair was not the work of Kaneye alone. Minamoto Yorimitsu, the head of the Sewa Genji clan, was among those warriors who so helpfully escorted the Tenno to his retirement. He had already been made a special advisor to Prince Okisada, who was scheduled to inherit the throne after the now-sitting Emperor Ichijo. Yorimitsu is a good model of the noble samurai I mentioned in the previous episode. He attended to things around the capital, but he was also brave in battle and a useful problem-solver. There is a story that he defeated a group of demons near Oe Mountain, which is near the capital, and it is usually supposed that he actually trapped and neutralized a large bandit gang in the area. He was appointed to various lucrative governorships, but tended to them in the manner of a kuge. He visited them once during his term in office to collect the taxes they owed, and spent the rest of his time in the comfort of the capital. In 986, Emperor Kazan became a Daijo Tenno, a retired emperor, and the Sesho regent Fujiwara Kaneye could finally rule the nation with his six-year-old grandson on the throne. This iron-fisted reign would not last as long as I'm sure Kaneye would have liked. Just four years later, in 990, he became horribly ill and had to retire from office. He took vows as a Buddhist monk and died shortly thereafter. So... Now who's in charge? The emperor had just turned 10, so not him. Not that anyone really wanted his governance anyway. Not to worry. 
Kaneye's oldest son, Fujiwara Michitaka, was ready to step into his father's shoes and was quickly named both Kampaku and Sesho in 990. He arranged a marriage between his daughter and the emperor to give himself sufficient claim, and things probably would have gone quite smoothly except that five years later, in 995, he died. Not to worry. Our old friend Fujiwara Michikane, the one who helped convince Emperor Kazan to retire and become a monk, is ready to step up and tackle all the challenges that... What? He's dead? We just appointed him! How can... He died seven days after becoming the regent? Yes. Sadly for Fujiwara Michikane, he is remembered by Japanese historians as Nanoka no Kampaku, the seven-day regent because that was his entire tenure in the big chair. As you may be aware, monarchies tend to thrive on stability, on the same people generally being in charge year after year. Longer reigns are usually more peaceful, while a rapid-fire succession of short reigns can quickly lead to trouble. For everyone. So who could possibly fill the vacuum left by the death of Fujiwara Kaneye and his oldest two sons? None other than his third son, one Fujiwara Michinaga. Let me say right now that Fujiwara Michinaga is a name you are going to want to remember. Just when it looked like the door might be open to instability, political violence, and power grabbing, he slammed that door shut, locked the door, fastened the chain, then welded the door firmly to its frame. Okay, I'm ditching the door metaphor now. The point is, Michinaga was the most powerful of the Fujiwara regents, and his time as the Kampaku would become the stuff of legend for later generations. Next time, we'll talk all about Fujiwara Michinaga, the man, the myth, the legend. Until then, thank you for listening. If you would like access to exclusive bonus episodes, as well as ad-free versions of the regular episodes, Please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash a history of Japan. Do you dream of wearing a hoodie or t-shirt bearing the intricate and mysterious design of a Han Dynasty bronze mirror or featuring one of our seasonal logos like the Dogu or Kofun Tomb? Make that dream come true at the podcast's official merch store found at ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com.